Well, again, I want to apologize in advance. <clears throat> I'm not contagious with COVID anymore, but it's still lingering around in my throat. And so if I cough in your ear, I apologize in advance. If you're okay, I'm going to preach shorter today. Is that all right with you? You okay getting out to lunch early? I'll keep it under an hour and a half today. How about that? I'm excited um, with this new series that we're launching today called Tough Love. Um, one of the things is I was just spending some time thinking and praying about directions and, and preaching I started thinking about how often we hear the word love uh, sung about in songs, uh, wrote, written about in poems, and yet how little the world really understands uh, about love. And um, one of the things I thought is, you know, for, for a lot of us in our relationships, one of, the, one of the things that can be really helpful is if we can truly understand what that agape love is that God has for us. You know, when the Bible talks about love, it talks about tough love. Uh, it talks about a love that bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Uh, it's, not a, it's not a sissy love. Uh, it really is a tough love. And so that's, that's what I'm going to talk about. I want to encourage you. We have uh, invite cards that are in your bulletin. They're also out at the Welcome Center. I want to encourage you to invite some folks. I promise you there are going to be messages in this series you're going to be sitting here going, wow, I sure wish so-and-so had been here to hear that. And uh, so I want to encourage you, you can look that over, but invite some folks to come with you. I think, I think that you'll, um, I think they'll, they'll benefit from it. I want to start at the beginning. Um, really interesting. Uh, I, we've had a, a prayer group that meets every Monday uh, at the Early Wine Park YMCA. We do a devotional together. We have prayer together. Tomorrow will be the last one before we take our, 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 our break for the summer. About a month or so ago, I, I was leading the devotional, and uh, I started the devotional by, by inviting the group to do this. I said, I, I want to I encourage you, um, if, would you, for those of you who know, you know the people in the room, share something that you love about someone else in the room. Just share something that you love about someone else. And it was really cool because people were popping up and they were saying, well, I love this about this person and I love that about that person. And, and that went on for several minutes. And when that kind of finally winded down, I said, okay, I want to do something different. Now I want you to stand up and I want you to share one thing that you love about you. And it got deathly quiet. <laughs> Isn't it interesting how easy it is for us to identify the things that we love in other people? And how easy it is for us to talk about the things that we love in other people, but how hard it is for us to sometimes talk about the things we love in us. Now, here, here's my thought I want, I want to give you, and I just I want to push you with this a little bit. Do you love you? Do you love you? I'm, I'm not talking about egotism or pride. I'm not talking about vanity or self-worship. I'm just talking about the fact, do you have as healthy a love for you as you do for other people in your life? Let's walk together. I want you to take your sermon outline out. Look with me at a passage of Scripture. It's interesting to me that there are people who, when I start talking about loving ourselves, have the people who don't even believe that that's a, a, a godly or Christian concept, but it's all through Scripture, and I'm going to show you that today. But, but I want you to look with me at the words of Jesus in Mark chapter 12. When Jesus was asked the question, of all the commandments in the Bible, 
What's the greatest? What, what, do we, what do we really need to do? Here's how Jesus responded to that. Would you read this out loud with me? And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Let me stop. Love your neighbor how? As yourself. Jesus said no other commandment is greater than these. You know, when, when we often talk about, if you really want to boil the Christian faith down, what, what really is it all about? Often people will say, well, it's just about loving God and loving others. And they're partially right, but that's really not the full picture. Throw that picture up on the screen for me. If you really want to get a picture of what the Bible talks about, it talks about love for God, talks about love for others, but it also talks about love for ourselves. Just think this with me for a second. You see, if you really don't love you, it's going to create all kinds of challenges in your personal journey. That's why I put this statement on, on your outline. It says, you know what? When we don't love ourselves, we'll struggle to give and receive love to and from God and others. You know, sometimes when we talk about God's love for us, it's really hard for people to wrap their minds around it, not because they can't believe in God, but because they don't see anything in themselves worth loving. And often, it, it, that gets in the way of this journey with God. You see, if I, don't, if I don't have a healthy love for me, then I'm not only going to not believe that God can't love me, I'm going to believe that God can't use me, that God really doesn't want to involve me. I'm going to be, it's going to be hard for me to really identify <coughs> all that God really wants to do in and through my life. Does that make sense to you? And the same thing with other people. Just th think about this with me for a second. W have you ever met someone who they just seem unhappy all the time? O or somebody who just seems to be angry all the time? Did you know that a lot of times that uh, it, it has nothing to do with things that are going on around them? It has to do every with everything with what's going on within them. There are a lot of people who can't even seem to get along well with other people, not because they're the, the difficulties with other people, but because they don't love themselves. Think about this with me. If I don't love me, if I believe that every person in my life is going to not like me, then I'm going to, <clears throat> I'm going to see that everywhere, look at me, even when it's not there. If I expect you to reject me because I'm not lovable, I'm going to see that rejection even when you're not really trying to communicate that rejection. I can't tell you how many times I've had that conversation with people who just interpret everybody's behavior because of how they feel about themselves. Now, Juan, I have a good friend that has struggled with self-love and self-acceptance. And I remember several years ago having this conversation with him about, you know, he asked me the question. He said, Steve, he goes, why do people like you? And I said, well, Wanda asked me that all the time. She has no idea why anyone likes me. But I said, I think one of the reasons that people like me, I said, is because I expect people to like me. I said, I really do have people's best interests at heart, and I, I think that I communicate that. I think that people like me mainly because I expect them to like me. And he, he thought that was kind of a funny concept. And, and I said, I said he, he, he said, well, I don't understand. I said, well, how about this? <clears throat> I said, if, if, if you... 
I said, if you're standing, uh, if you walk into a room of a group of people and you see someone who looks your way and sees you and they quickly walk out of the room, I said, what do you think? He said, well, I think they don't like me. And he looked at me and said, well, what would you think? And I said, well, I'd think they had to go to the bathroom. (laughs) Are you getting this? You see, neither one of us really know why they're walking out of the room, but when we don't love ourselves, when we don't really feel like there's anything here worth other people being involved in, then we're immediately going to be interpreting other people's behavior that way. And I'm guarantee you, there are some of you sitting in this room, you're caught in that trap. And there are a lot of you in relationship with people, they're caught in that trap. Their greatest struggle is not having a healthy love for themselves. Now, why don't we love ourselves? Let me give you, let me give you a few reasons. I'll give them to you pretty quick. You ready? Uh, I just kind of sat back and said, why, why do we struggle to love ourselves sometimes? Well, one, because we have failures that we can't forgive ourselves for. We have failures we can't forgive. How many of you have ever messed up this week, this morning? Yeah. How many of you, honestly, how many of you would be honest enough to admit there have been times you have failed and you have struggled to forgive yourself for that? Yeah. And and when we can't forgive ourselves, it's really hard for us to love ourselves. Uh, Another reason we we struggle to to love ourselves is because we're aware of our own flaws. We're very aware of our flaws. Uh, come on, you can remember this. How many of you have ever got up in the morning, walked in the bathroom, looked in the mirror, and all of a sudden there was this humongous pimple that looked like a volcano on your nose? Anybody ever do that? Yeah. And it doesn't matter if you've got all your hairs in place. It doesn't matter if you're dressed to the nine. All you can see is what? That pimple. That's all you can see. When you're aware of your flaws, sometimes that's what we get stuck in. All we can see are the things that are wrong with us, not the things that are right with us. Some of us struggle to love ourselves because we've accepted someone else's valuation of us. We've accepted someone else's valuation of us. In other words, here's the deal. Some of us grew up in homes where we weren't valued. Some of us, our very families of origin, were people who communicated to us that we were a mistake. We really weren't wanted. We really aren't worth that much. They really wish we were out of the way. There are others of us who came out of fairly normal and healthy homes, but along the way, we got into relationships with people who treated us like crud, and along the way, after a lot of abuse or rejection, we begin to not think highly of ourselves because we've been treated so badly by others, we must think, well, I must be worthy of that. That must be what I deserve. Fourth, sometimes we struggle to love ourselves because we compare ourselves to other people. We compare ourselves to other people, and that's why, come on. How many of you have ever wished you were someone else? Anybody? Yeah. We look at other people, man, I wish I, I looked like that. I, I wish I could, you know, talk like that. I wish I had that kind of talent. Sometimes we compare ourselves to people that we think are beautiful, and we go, I don't look like that, so I must not be beautiful. Let me give you the last one, and this is right to the heart of the matter. Sometimes we struggle to love ourselves because we don't have a firm grasp on God's love for us. We don't have a firm grasp of God's love for us. If I could give you one gift today, just one, it would be this. The understanding of how big God's love really is for you. Paul wrote to the Ephesian church, he said, I I, I wish you understood how high how deep 
how complete God's love is for you. Because if you could see yourself through God's eyes for just a moment, you would begin to understand you really are someone that he created to be worthy of being loved. Does that make sense to you? Well, for, for whatever reason we don't love ourselves, I, I want to give you just a, a couple of thoughts this morning. You say, well, Pastor Steve, how, how can I kind of really begin to see myself and love myself in that way? Let me just give you a couple of thoughts. You ready? Here we go. Here's the first one. First of all, I just want you to encourage you to claim the intrinsic beauty and value that God has given you. Claim the intrinsic beauty and value that God has given you. That word intrinsic is just a fancy word that means you didn't have to do anything to have it. It was put in you from the beginning, and it really was. This will make sense to you. Throw this picture up on the screen for me, would you? Isn't that beautiful? I took that picture out in front of our house. Um, I love the sunsets here. Oklahoma and Arizona both have beautiful, beautiful sunsets. And one night I, was, I looked out, walked outside, and it was just beautiful. I grabbed my phone and, and uh, started snapping away and just a beautiful day. Doesn't God do beautiful work? I mean, I don't know about you, but there are times I, I look at sunsets like that, and I look at things that God does, and I go, so God, you are such an awesome God. You can make incredible, beautiful stuff like that. But here's the deal. Throw that next slide up. It's sad that we can look at a sunset and say, God is amazing, but then look in the mirror and say, ugh, as though God didn't make both. Let that sink in for a second. That same God who made that beautiful sunset, that same God that made that thing that is so beautiful that takes your breath away, look at me, that same God made you. He put that same beauty in you. Look at the passage of Scripture with me. I love Genesis 1, verse 27. Look how God made you. Read it out loud with me. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God created you how? In his image. In other words, God made you to look like him. Anybody in the room want to say God is ugly? I better not say it out loud. So I can say, <laughs> yeah. no. We think of God as an awesome God. We think of God as a beautiful, you know, a beautiful God. And you're made in that image, that same nature of God that He He has, He put in you. <clears throat> I love how David framed it in Psalm chapter in Psalm eight, verse five. Read that out loud. He said, you made us a little lower than yourself and you crowned us with glory and honor. Look at me. God gave you glory and honor. You see, some, so often when we look in the mirror, we, we don't see the intrinsic beauty and the intrinsic value that God has put in us, but the hand of God made you. The breath of God is in you. You are beautiful, and you are precious. It's interesting. There is a, uh, there's a woman in uh, South France whose father passed away, and uh, he had a, a fairly large home and had some old stuff in it. And so she decided that she wanted to do an estate sale, and she called a, a guy who was an auctioneer, 
and said, would you mind coming and looking at some of Dad's stuff? I, I just wonder if we might have some things we want to put up you know, for auction. So the auctioneer came over, and he had looked through uh, several things that she showed him, and they made their way through the house, and he was itemizing several things. And then uh, finally she said, would you like something to drink? And she took him over, and there was this large uh, chest that's kind of a gold lacquered chest that they had, she had drinks set on. And uh, throw that picture up on the screen. That's what it looked like. And it was an old thing that her dad had had for years. And so they, he got, got something to drink, and they're standing there talking. And the auctioneer was looking at this chest, and he goes, well, what about this chest? And she goes, well, that's just an old thing, you know, dad had. She goes, you know, he used to have his television on it for a long time. And she goes, then in the last few years, she goes, he actually kind of turned it into a bar. It's like five foot long. And she said he just had set it up where he would put drinks on it, and people came by. He would have to get their drinks there. And she goes, and the guy said, you know, this, this looks old. I, I think this might really be worth something. And she said, well, okay. He said, do you mind if I call a friend to come look at it? And he's fine. So she, he called a friend, and the guy came and looked at it. <coughs> Excuse me. He hit it finally. And the guy came in, and when he, when he was looking at it, the guy said, do you have any idea what you have here? And she said, no, Dad's had it for years. He said, this, this chest is 370 years old. Said this was actually a part of a two-piece set. See, this is the bigger one. There was a smaller one that they're actually made years ago by an artist out of Japan uh, for the minister of France. And the France uh, minister had those in his family for a number of years, and then they were actually sold. One was bought uh, by a man in England. She goes, but the other, this large one, actually kind of disappeared, and nobody had heard from it again. He said, you know, this thing probably has a significant value on the auction. And the daughter was like, wow, well, we'll sell it too. So they put it on auction. You know how much this chest sold for? Nine and a half million dollars. Nine and a half million. How many of you are going through, I'm going to go through my mom and dad's stuff, man, right now. Yeah. Well, it, what's, what's funny was, you know, again, here, here's this chest. It was used to put a TV on. It was used to serve drinks off of. No one regarded that chest as valuable. But it didn't matter. The artist gave it value. Regardless of what people thought of it, regardless of how it was used, it didn't matter. That was what it was worth. Look at me. You don't miss this. Because I don't care what people have said about you. I don't care how people have treated you. I don't care if there's a single person in your life that you think you're worth anything at all. You are precious to God. When God created you, he gave you intrinsic value. In fact, I, I put this on your outline. You don't, don't miss this at all. God gave you intrinsic value at birth, but you know what? He gave you infinite value on the cross. You are bought with a price. God thinks you are worth him selling everything that he has to possess. That's how you precious you are to God. Now, now, please don't miss the point behind the point because here's the deal. So many of us, when we don't regard ourselves as beautiful or valuable, we allow other people to treat us in ways that we shouldn't. And you need to get this. Don't you dare ever sell yourself to the lowest bidder when the highest bidder, God, bought you at the highest price. Amen? You've been bought by the highest bidder. Don't ever sell yourself to the lowest bidder. Let me give you another thought. You really want to love yourself? This is going to be hard for some of us. Celebrate the uniqueness that is you. Celebrate the uniqueness that is you. 
I know that sometimes we want to we be someone else and, 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 and yet, but, but we can't. We need to be who God created us to be. Look at the passage of Scripture, Psalm 139. I love how the psalmist said this. Read it with me, church. You are the one who put me together inside my mother's body, and I praise you because of the wonderful way you created me. Everything you do is marvelous. I put the statement there, you'll never love yourself for who you are until you accept yourself for who God made you to be. You know, some, sometimes we try so hard to be someone else and we don't really just step in and embrace who God has created us to be. You know, it was funny, when I, uh, when I came out of college and got into full-time ministry, um, I, I wanted to be one of those smart guys, you know? Uh, I mean, I had six years of college education. I had a couple years of Greek. And, and uh, you know, I had been around a lot of really smart people. And I thought, you know, I want to be one of those guys when he gets on stage, everybody goes, wow, he's really smart. You know, and so I wanted to, I wanted to get up in front of people and I wanted, to, I wanted to talk about the teleological implications of the dichotomous nature of the fallen man. You know, I wanted people to walk out of there going, wow, I have no idea what he said, but it must have been really good. You know, I, I, you know you, you wonder, I wanted to impress people with how much I knew. And you know what I discovered? I'm not that smart. How many of you already knew that? Yeah. No, don't you hold your hands up. That's me. Yeah, yeah. I'm not that smart. It was like one of those days, you know, finally God finally just kind of sat down beside me and said, Steve, you're really not that smart. I didn't create you to be one of those guys. He said, you know what? You're a pretty good storyteller, and, and you really got a great love for people, but that's, that's who you are. Stop trying to be who you're not. And that's you. Look at me. Don't miss this. God made you who you are. Don't you dare forfeit who God created you to be by trying to be someone else. Does that make sense to you? God made you, you. Let me give you one last one. And this is for those of us who maybe have struggled with our past and struggled to forgive ourselves or struggled to believe that we're really that lovely or lovely, uh, lovable after all we've been through. Forget who you were and focus on who you are becoming. Forget who you were. Focus on who you are becoming. Second Corinthians 5 says, if any man be in Christ, he's a brand new creation. Behold, the old is gone and all things become new. Look at me. Don't miss this. I don't care where you've been. I don't care what you've done. Today, you have a brand new opportunity to write a new story. It's all up to you. I love, I love what Paul, Paul had a, a horrible past. He did things that he could hardly forgive himself for. But here's what Paul said. I just love how he said it when he was writing to the Philippians. He said, no, dear brothers, I am still not all that I should be, but I am bringing all my energies to bear on this one thing. Read it with me. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead, I strain to reach the end of the race and receive the prize for which God is calling us up to heaven because of what Christ Jesus did for us. I love this. I put this on your outline. You can't erase the past, but you can write the future. Amen? With God's help and God's grace, you can write the future. I read a, a testimony 
by a young lady. Throw that picture up on the screen. Her name is Jessica Johnson. Jessica grew up in a, in a rather abusive home. And uh, family moved around a lot. When she was uh, 16, she finally decided to run away. And she ended up on the streets in Portland, Oregon, and uh, became a prostitute. And for the next 10, 12 years, Jessica sold her body to whatever man would pay for it. She ended up uh, finding a pimp who would kind of manage her, so to speak, and she ended up having two kids by this pimp himself that she ended up giving up for adoption. And in her testimony, Jessica talked about how with each passing year, her hatred for herself grew more and more. She despised the life that she was living, but she struggled to believe that she would now be worth anything to anyone. Even when she finally came to a, a, guy who, a guy who loved her and a guy who said, I'll stand with you and be beside you, and he married her. They had a couple of twins, and uh, she said she still struggled to be able to let go and, and believe. And then she met a, a, a woman by the name of Betty Campbell, and Betty began to talk to her about Jesus and his love for her, and Betty bought her her first Bible, and and August 17th, 2018, Jessica began to read that Bible. And maybe for the first time in her life, she began to hear the voice of God and began to believe that God really loved her. Here's what she said. She said, I eventually gave my life to Jesus on September 12th, 2018. But I still struggled and doubted God because I couldn't see him. I couldn't touch him. I couldn't hear him. She goes, on October 12th, he goes, I only had $60 on my food stamp card. She goes, I needed formula for my twins. And she goes, but it was still early in the month, and I didn't know what to do. She goes, and I heard this voice inside of me tell me to trust God. But in my mind, I was like, really? <laughs> is this, how, how is God going to provide? And she says, so I end up going to the store. I end up going to the store as if I was actually going to purchase these three formula cans and to see if God would show up. And she goes, I get, in the, I get in the cashier line, and she goes, the lady in front of me starts talking to me, and she started asking me questions about my twin boys. And, and then finally, as she was paying for everything on her, in her cart, said the woman turned to me and just said, blessings to you. And she goes, but I really didn't think anything of it. When I got my stuff in front of the cashier, the cashier told me, you don't need to pay for that. And she goes, I said, shut up. <laughs> and she goes, why do you say that? And cashier said, because that elderly lady who was in front of you that said blessings to you, she paid for it. Jessica said, right then and there, I began to cry. And I began, and I knew this was God. And it said, the lady behind me tapped me on the shoulder and said, I don't know what's going on, but every hair on the back of my head has just suddenly stood up. And she goes, I knew it was the Holy Spirit just touching me right there. 
She goes, I walked out of that Fred Meyer store to look for the lady, and I caught her as she was putting groceries in her car. She said, I stopped her, but before I could say anything, she tells me, Jesus wants me to tell you, keep doing what you're doing, and that he loves you very much. She goes, I cried and cried and cried. She goes, the Holy Spirit touched me right there in that moment. And she said, and then I never doubted God. That's when I knew for sure God was real and that God was with me. And that was December 1st, 2018. Jessica was baptized. You know, the cool continuance of that story is that Jessica is now studying at, a, at an organization called Christian Leaders Institute. And she started a Facebook ministry called Changing Souls, where she seeks to help other women out of the sex trafficking industry and find their way back to the Lord. And people who are bound by addictions find their way back to God. And I just want you to get this. Jessica had to let go of her past. Her past was dark. Her past was not something she was proud of. There were so many ways times along that journey that Jessica wished she wasn't even live anymore. But you know what she discovered? Our God is the God of a future. Doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't matter where you've been. Our God loves you. Amen? And he can begin today to write a new future for you. Have you opened your heart to the love of God? Have you opened your heart and said, Lord, I, I don't know why you would love me, but I'm so glad that you do. Have you received the love of his son, received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? Have you allowed that love to transform you? And if you have, are you walking in that love? When you look in the mirror in the morning, do you go, oh me, Or do you say, thank you, God, for making me, me? Jesus said, you want to know what this faith is all about? It's really simple. Love God, love others, and love yourself. My prayer today is that you'll feel the arms of God's love around you and that you'll receive and walk in that love. I ask Rachel to lead us in a song today before I pray. It's an old song that I just love. It's called The Power of His Love. This morning, open your heart. Let the love of God overflow through you today, would you, by His grace. Father, I pray today that you would just drive this message home deep into our hearts. It's easy for us to understand that we need to love you, and it's not too hard for us to always understand that we need to love other people. But God, I know that there are a lot of us that really do struggle to love ourselves. And my prayer, Father, is that you would just help us catch a glimpse of us through your eyes. How you look past our flaws, how you look past our faults, how you see us with all of our stuff. But you also see that you put in us intrinsic value intrinsic worth, intrinsic beauty. And Father, I pray 
I pray that just like we love you with all of our hearts and that we love other people with all that we have, that God, that you would help us to love and accept ourselves for who you created us to be. Because Lord, until we love us, we'll never be able to really trust your love. We'll never be able to fully allow you to use us the way that you want to. We'll never fully be able to have healthy relationships with other people until all of that is in balance. So God, today, I pray for those who maybe for the first time in their life are opening their heart to your love today. I pray that your arms of grace would enfold them and I pray that you would just set their past aside, that you would wash them white as snow, that today they know that through your grace they are new creations in our Lord Jesus Christ. And Father, for those of us who have already taken that step, would you help us each and every day to love that man in the mirror, to know that that person we're looking at in the mirror is also a child of God made in your image, endowed with value and beauty, just like everyone else in the world. Lord, teach us how to love you with our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. In your precious name we pray. And everyone said, amen.